As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, dum-dums? It's your good friend Colin here. Today's show is brought to you by Amazon.com. And why is it brought to you by Amazon.com? Because if you go to the Mazodcast website and click on the Amazon banner, we get a sweet, wet taste of them dollar bills. So if you're purchasing drugs or prostitutes or, well, anything else you can get on Amazon, I assume all those things are available, do it through the Mazodcast Amazon banner and let us wet our beak, M-I-Z. Gonna throw it, slam, this bugs for you, Mizzou. And he's gone. Touchdown, Missouri. You don't get no better than that, man. Lock deep near side. Jamon Moore. It's a foot race. 82 yards. Touchdown, Missouri. Boy, look at Crockett run. It's his fourth touchdown run of the day. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brennan Anthony. With me, as always, is the in-state recruiting coordinator for Mizzou football, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? And not joining us today is uh, Brian Goers, who's in a treatment facility uh, trying to get rid of a persistent necrophilia. Yeah, he's uh, he's committed. <laughs> he's pot committed, let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah, it's 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 haunted him for a long time, yep. and he's trying to... Well, I'm, I commend him. He's trying to do something about well, it. Well, you know, the lover he's taken mm-hmm. is a doctor, and it That's makes right. me wonder if there's some correlation there between his necrophilia and the fact that she could, you know, maybe give him easier access to corpses well i mean that's a glass half empty way of looking at things colin i i i like to look at things glass half full and i i've noticed that she is very much alive (laughs) and so i mean that's a real change of pace for him yeah sure is so anyway uh glad you could join us on the show today it's it's been a busy spring for the tigers Mm -hmm. both basketball and football and we've covered basketball far more than we have in the past yeah we're just gonna have to start calling this the mazodcast Mizzou podcast because uh, football has not uh, not been a real entree for the last you know, dozen episodes. So yeah, that's right, and uh, we got a lot more basketball to talk about today. In fact, I think a lot of it revolves around Jonte Porter. Uh, obviously, this week, I think on Monday, Jonte uh, announced that he would be coming to the University of Missouri to play basketball. So mm-hmm. everybody can be excited about that. But he didn't say when. No, he did not. But we have people who say things that mm-hmm. are different than that. Basically, you know, our sources say that uh, he is absolutely uh, reclassifying. It's uh, only a matter of time for announcement, which a lot of people said, you know, he's not going to announce anything till after the some slam jam arama AU tournament in July. Mm-hmm. But I've also been told by the same source that he doesn't necessarily expect it to wait till July. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Well, there's been a lot of talks that the uh, the coaching staff would rather have him sooner than later because, you know, they don't want him to get hurt in some meaningless AAU game. But, I mean, I think he obviously wants to. Plus, get him in the program, get him in the weight room. I mean, mm-hmm. he's going to be a 17-year-old kid. And despite the fact that he's 6'10", I, he's not going to be a man yet. And mm-hmm. um, they can't really um, do much about that other than, you know, try to put a little weight on his weight on him and firm him up and get him ready, at least from, for the endurance it takes to play a college basketball season, I think is something that freshmen don't realize until they're in it. It's longer and harder than a high school basketball season, and there's certainly a transition there um, that I don't know that everybody realizes when they're going into college. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Colin, you actually you actually spoke to John Taylor a little bit earlier in the week, too, didn't you? Try well, to get him to nail down on that classification. <laughs> yeah, well, he... He would not confirm or deny, and mm-hmm. um, he wanted to know who our source was, <laughs> so, which to me said it's pretty, probably a pretty good chance that he's looking for the leak in his boat. But um, yeah, they, he neither confirmed nor denied the report. But your source, you were firm enough to tweet out that it is, it is a go, reclassification. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there you have it. We're saying it here on the Mazodcast. Everybody thinks it, but we're saying it for sure. Jonte Porter will play and reclassify in the next Mizzou basketball season. And if he doesn't, feel free to kick us all in the balls. So there you have it. That That's news, I guess. News, yeah. News. So, yeah, Jonte's a tiger. Mm-hmm. He sure is. Well, that we know. Yeah. One way or the other. Whether that's it be this year or next year, he's going to be a tiger. Well, don't don't qualify. You're saying this year. Yes, I'm saying this year. That, okay. is, my, that is my 
definitive statement. Yeah. So the other Tiger news late in the day, there was a kid from Bradley who was playing for, had been playing for Bradley who originally had signed with Frank Haith, and then uh, when Haith left, he left. Uh, he played three years off in the hinterlands, and is going to, I guess, walk on. Not this coming year, but he's going to sit out a year and, and join the Tigers as a walk on. That doesn't affect things too much. Since we had our last show, I believe that uh, Kevin Knox ended up going to Kentucky to everyone's surprise, including yeah. our own. Yeah, that that was a. I didn't even you have swung Kentucky. and missed on that yeah, one. I definitely did. I guess you know you want to put much faith in my Jonte information, but uh, incorrect. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, Kentucky, and that was not. I don't think that. I think that surprised most everyone, not just this podcaster. No, I think you're right. And I was going to mention too, uh, going back to Jonte a little bit. I think the writing was clearly on the wall yeah. when Jacoby Kemp transferred away from the program. I mean, they're clear in space. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's no other way to look at that. Well, Jonte himself has handled all this with the subtlety of a twelve pound jackhammer on a G spot. I mean, it's not exactly like it's been. State secret. Yeah. So, although I will say, after his commitment, he he went cold on Twitter. He took down his Twitter account, mm-hmm. and I have to think that somebody, maybe Pops, told him, "Cool it on yeah. the old Twitter box," because. Uh, well, and that's part of it. I mean, he's uh, when I talk about the subtlety. I mean, I think he is just showing what he is. He's a kid, you know. He's excited and easily changeable, and he probably likes the attention, and then doesn't really understand the stir it's going to create until it's already created it and mm-hmm. dad's probably going shut up get off the twitter box there's you got the rest of your life to be fawned over because you will be fawned over the rest of your life or at least until you're you know mid to late 30s when you retire from the nba and uh, people stop lining up to give you blowjobs <laughs> yeah then you, you have to actually seek them out yourself uh, <laughs> so if 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 and when jante comes that will fill out the Tigers roster, which is the first time that's happened in some many mm-hmm. years. Yeah. And he will join the likes of uh, Blake Harris, who came uh, from another Washington commit. Of course, his brother, Michael Porter Jr., C.J. Roberts, who uh, Kim Anderson somehow managed to line up. And then, of course, Jeremiah Tillman, who uh, finally Yeah, we need to talk about that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happened since the last about... podcast. Yeah, it's been a while, I guess. Yeah. Tillman, a Tiger. kind of out in front on that one, too, weren't we? Yes, we were. <laughs> I think we had that in the bag, too. Yeah, uh, Tillman had, of course, left Illinois early earlier this spring and he wasn't the right fit though Brendan. that's right according to every illinois fan in the world if there's any solace illinois fans can take from that he obviously wasn't the right fit (laughs) yeah who would want a true center four-star you know yeah 610 top 230 pound yeah exactly nobody can't who can fit that into our program no that's it's hard it's hard and so those are the recruits. And then, of course, Cassius Robertson, who a uh, Toronto kid who is transferring to the Tigers as well, is the three-point specialist to sort of fill out the program. Uh, he'll to join be, Vandersex. That's right. He'll, uh, he's going to be putting uh, Cullen Vandersex on the bench. Uh, <laughs> the rest of the team that's sticking around, Jordan Barnett, Jordan – I'm sorry. Yeah, Jordan Barnett, Geist, Terrence Phillip, Kevin Purrier, Cullen Vandersex, Reed Nico, and then, of course, Mitchell Smith – who is famously the guy you will never hear of again. I'm guessing on a name like Mitchell Smith, his uh, complexion is two shades whiter than chalk. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that. I've never, I don't know who this kid is, but he, I'm just going to throw he, that out there. Yeah. Well, he's, he's been on the team. There's, you know, If you literally report on Mizzou Sports, you should know. I, don't wa- I did not like. watch Kim Anderson basketball. <laughs> I can't handle that much diarrhea. Well, I, <laughs> you know, th- that, that brings alone. up a point that mm-hmm. I wanted to bring up tonight that I kept thinking— one of the Kim Anderson truthers, or one of their, their arguments for keeping Kim Anderson was, wow, what a dumpster fire. Did Frank Haith leave Kim Anderson, Brennan? You know what I mean? Gosh, how could anyone take a program and turn it around quickly when they inherit a fucking complete garbage heap? It's impossible, and he should get as many years as it takes. That's all well and good until you get a brand new coach this year and have the best recruiting class you've had well, possibly ever. Yeah, in about yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. So it's like the Kim Anderson truth are saying, oh, Frank Haith left him with a fucking sack of garbage, and what's he supposed to do about that? It's like, well, Conzo uh, Martin figured it out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. It didn't take him three years. It took him about three and a half days total mm-hmm. to figure it all out. So I hate to harp on Kim Anderson, but fuck that guy. I mean, I like him. <laughs> fuck the people who are firmly in his boat, you know what I mean? Going, well, he should have kept around, get him another year to that okay well i going before back. i drop f-bombs on cam anderson i'll i'll, I'll qualify yeah. that remark all right i was just gonna say back to mitchell smith yeah uh, he the, that hot that hot name yeah <laughs> a lot of people aren't talking about mitchell smith Colin. <laughs> this podcast 
knows a dime in the rough when we see one. Yeah, well, I'm uh, proclaiming him the Chip Walter of, uh, <laughs> oh, of the 2017 team. The Bo Hart of the, uh, <laughs> of the Tigers. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Mitchell Smith filling out that roster, making it a complete contender for a national title sure, this year. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, look for a lot of Mitchell Smith time. I think uh, at this point, with uh, everything being so positive with the basketball team and the recruits all kind of coming in, and like I said, I were, we're uh, certain Jonte's going to be there, w- the expectation level is going to be through the roof. But I, I, I don't want to dial back people's enthusiasm, but we are talking about a team that's probably going to start somewhere between three and four freshmen and play five to six freshmen, probably substantial minutes. And so there's a, there's a learning curve there. It's going to be one of those situations where we're going to jump up and beat fucking Kentucky one night, and the next night we're going to lose to, to Mississippi State. You know what yeah. I mean? It's going to be frustrating. But at this point, 20 wins is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Like we need with this roster to get to 20 wins. That's that's what uh, I say. I think it's doable, especially with Mitchell Smith on there. Yeah. Although he, he's young, too. He's a sophomore. Yeah, yeah, so, Mitchell. Yeah. But uh, with all the excitement of the recruiting of basketball, it does sort of – there's a darker shadow when it comes to football recruiting. Mizzou had 10 in-state recruits that they were really trying to get their hands on this sure, year. they brought them all in together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, show me 10, they were calling them. And I don't think anybody in their right mind thought that Missouri was going to land all 10 of these guys. No. No, and they could still do very well. Sure, it's early. if they got five of the ten, it would be a home run. Mm-hmm. But especially it's three of those guys are in the ESPN top one hundred rankings. If all three of those guys came, fucking a, you know. Mm-hmm. But the optics don't look good early because a couple of things have happened to date with those ten guys. Uh, St. Louis wide receiver by the name of Cameron Brown committed to Nebraska, which was, two was, of these guys committed to Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Mario Goodrich from Lee Summit also committed to Nebraska recently. I guess none of them were huge surprises other than fuck Nebraska. Um, well, why Nebraska of all places? Yeah. Their program hasn't been good in a decade. It's not like, I don't know. I yeah. just, it's strange. Well, we're going to have Jay Sparks on from uh, 1400 AM on the closers. He's going to talk to us a little bit about that. We'll have to ask him a little bit about mm-hmm. why Nebraska, for Christ's sakes. And then uh, Daniel Carson. This is this one was a real kind of kick in the nuts this week because he has not committed anywhere, but he did release his top 11. 11 schools. And we're 11 not 11 schools. And we have been recruiting him hard. And we're not in that 11 teams. Well, I think, so. you know... He's a defensive Br- end, too. We could use that. If you're not listening to the tri- the Tribs podcast, hosted by Joe Wall Jasper, they do a terrific job of... They got the beat reporters on there, and uh, the information is much better than you'll ever get from this podcast. We though, don't even know what color our players are. <laughs> yeah, though, though disseminated in a much less entertaining way. Hmm. But regardless, uh, they talked a lot about this, and uh, I tend to agree with them, especially in one point. They mentioned that, well, Wiz can bury Odom recruit which is still a big question mark because since he's been here, he hasn't really. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing is that Barry has got a kind of a bunker mentality, despite the fact that he comes on our show. Mm-hmm. He is yeah. not out there. He, uh, I wish I, he'd open up. Yeah, Joe is, Joe's uh, point is, is he's not really giving the program much of a personality or uh, anything to cling to, really. Right. You know, all you've got for the past two years is losing football and a protest to kind of separate yourself as a program mm-hmm. and the fact that uh, Odom and the athletic department seem to you know be like I say and this have this bunker mentality it doesn't give you anything to hold on to but the negatives really I mean, mm-hmm. he needs to get out there he needs to glad hand and he needs to be able to recruit yeah absolutely and and the disappointing thing to me I think about Daniel Carson not listing us in his top 11 is he is a defensive end and if we've made any sort of name for ourselves after the last decade it's this uh, d-line zoo kind of thing and and well, let's just take the Illinois route brennan just say he's not a good fit for our program anyway we didn't want him he's just not a good fit yeah he wouldn't work for him (laughs) um yeah no i mean i don't think anybody who's a tiger fan is as petty and small as an illinois fan and we go that way uh but it is disheartening so there's still a lot of guys the good news i guess about this bunch is none of them were in the top five of the of the 10 guys we're talking about yeah they're the Um, bottom feeders there's but a, you can glass half full or half empty, Brennan. You can yeah. say, we didn't even get the bottom feeders. You can say, well, there's still a chance we'll get the big boys. Now, the other thing that makes me happy is that uh, there's a couple wide receivers left on the list, but the, well, the rest of them are defensive people, and, mm-hmm. and defense is where we need those guys. Yep. So there's Cameron Brown, who's a wide receiver, four stars out of St. Louis. Michael Thompson, four-star defensive tackle. Adelaide, uh, uh, Adelaide. Good luck. Incorrect. Uh, linebacker, four stars. Then a three-star defensive end in Ronnie Perkins. Trevor Trout, who I think Missouri has a good chance at. Defensive tackle, four-star St. Louis. Three-star wide receiver in Dallas Credith. And a three-star defensive end in Daniel Parker. So all those guys still up for grabs. Big mm-hmm. big names. 
it would be big recruits for us. And then the other fact is that uh, we don't have to recruit only in state. In fact, we can make up the difference out of state. And we've yeah. been working that angle quite a bit. Well, and truthfully, even in the Pinkle days, I mean, God, he made more of his bones in Texas than he ever did in Missouri mm-hmm. as far as talent was concerned. So I think part of what creates this story and then the accompanying you know nervousness about whether they're going to get the job done in recruiting or not is the fact that one of the few things that the football team has said is how much emphasis they're putting on this group of players. This is the best group of players coming out of Missouri and forever long, and we're really got to get these guys. DeMonte Cross went so far as to say we need to get all of them. Mm-hmm. And so they have— Another DeMonte Cross failure. <laughs> they have put a tremendous amount of emphasis on this group of players. And so that moves the spotlight. And then mm-hmm. when, when Puts things, expectations Yeah, out there. exactly. And so there's a, we're really going to go after these guys. This is what we're after, because especially because there were a lot of questions— after this last recruiting cycle that Barry Odom only brought in one Missouri kid, and they kept saying, well, don't, don't worry about that, fellas. We got these other 10 kids. That's next year's the year. Don't, don't worry. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you know, right now you're down three. You got seven left. Let's hope you can make some hay. Because really, you know, we were both in favor of Barry Odom being hired. But if uh, he goes over <laughs> on this recruiting class— Boy, it's going to get hard for to see Barry have any really long term success mm-hmm. at this university. Well, yeah, I mean, it He's all starts. Certainly not doing personality. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Every time I've talked to him, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, and there's nothing to say too that they won't look further down that list and beyond the Mizzou twelve and go to the typical sort of two star route that they've been known for. Mm-hmm. But you know, you got to get those big names to really perk a program up, and and you know. It's a slow start. Yes. I'll just leave it at that. It's been a slow start. It would have been start. different if one of if two guys said we're not coming and then one guy committed. Right. Or at least oh, yeah. put us on the list. But it's all three guys announcing within days of one another and all saying no thanks to Mizzou. Yeah. No, it, it's uh, it's ugly. And, I mean, ultimately, if we do well in on the field, that will help tremendously. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think either of us have tremendous opti- optimism that we're going to have such a whiz-bang team that's going to draw well, recruits. So part of the— strange approach that Barry Odom takes is, you know, this very Bill Belichick standoffish relationship. It's like, you've got to understand Bill Belichick gets to draft his players. He doesn't have to recruit them. One. Two, he's won like a fucking hundred Super Bowls and you haven't won dick. So drop the attitude. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah, he's definitely taking his lessons from the Nick Saban school of dickheadery. Yeah. But same way with Nick Saban. He's one and one and one. And he, you know, you got to earn the right to be a real cocksucker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. you got to be smiling in people's faces until you win something. Yeah. Then cocksucker. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, you can't be Greg Popovich right off the bat. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's funny. Do you think winning turns guys into cocksuckers or do you think the cocksucker no, is I born think, within them? I think, you know, very, or, you know, Bobby Knight was always a cocksucker. Mm-hmm. And some guys get away with it. Don't get me wrong. Some guys start that way. I'm just, and, but some guys turn into it. I think some guys just don't like being questioned. Mm-hmm. And when you're, when you have no success to speak of, it's, you can't deflect questions. You know, they used to always talk about Dick Vermeil when he was a coach in the NFL level. When he'd get a question from the press he didn't like, he just he'd tap his Super Bowl ring on the podium just to let everybody know, like, you can question what I'm doing, but click, 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 here's this giant ring on my finger. Mm-hmm. But Barry Odom has no ring. No. <laughs> and uh, so it's, it's time to glad hand a bit more. Barry, you know, what's the... I'll never understand uh, the benefit of making the press your enemy. You know, no. obviously it's no good for us. We do it constantly, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> it's, it hasn't helped us at all. And we can tell you from personal experience, it's no fun to be in, uh, be disliked by everyone. But I don't understand what the advantage for a Barry Odom is. No, I, or even a Nick Saban. I mean, like I said, winning saves him, but what is the real advantage to just middle finger and everybody? I mean, I, yeah, I think for a guy like Nick Saban, it's just to show I don't need you. You know, I, I, regardless, you can hate me, you can write whatever you want. It won't affect me at all. I'm going to just fucking win. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree with you. I don't know. I, but I was going to ask, I mean, do you, can you think of a very successful coach in basketball or football or baseball who wasn't a cocksucker? Sure. I mean, there's nice guys out there. Can you reel them off? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I, the, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking of like coaches that I you know follow closely just in my in my day. You know the Tony Larusas. I'm like, no, no, he was he was pretty much in that cocksucker mm-hmm. category. Let's see, well, he, they hired Mike Matheny. No, he's well, kind he of a cocksucker. Fit, well, he didn't fit the success model either. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, what so about we got, Phil Jackson from the Bulls? Uh, Phil Jackson was the Zen master. He, he wasn't necessarily nice, and he certainly doesn't necessarily get along with the press. But he just never lost his cool. You know, he was mm-hmm. the cool Zen master. But and then you know, you got Ned Yost. No, he's he's a cocksucker. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he won a Coach K. I've always felt like it was a quiet cocksucker. Yeah, a very quiet cocksucker, but mm-hmm. a cocksucker nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Rick Pitino, definite cocksucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting cocksucked in Italian restaurants, but I don't know. You know, on the court, this person has any success, but you know, the one that pops to mind just out of the SEC is Brett Belima. You know, he mm-hmm. seems to be gregarious and have a lot of personality, but mm-hmm. then again, he lacks that certain quality of, you know, success. So, And then there's guys like Butch Jones who don't have any success and they're still a cocksucker. Mm-hmm. And that's my, I'll be honest with you fans out there, my concern right now for Barry Odom is is that he's Butch Jones. <laughs> you know I mean? Mm-hmm. Really, you know, like I said, the, the unearned cocksucker uh, attitude. Of course, Butch Jones is recruited, mm-hmm. <laughs> but... Listen, I'm not jumping ship on Barry Odom. I'm just saying he's, well, he's cold and he hasn't really done anything to warrant the attitude at this point, and neither has Bush Jones. And I don't want, and Bush Jones has had years of no success, mm-hmm. especially when predicted to do so. And I just, I'm afraid that's my biggest fear is that Butch Jones is in our backyard named Barry Odom. Well, and Barry Odom, even compared to Butch Jones, he has zero five-star heart recruits. Mm-hmm. He has zero life championships. No, no he doesn't know, even have that. To Butch has got that on his mantle sure. at least, you know, yep. uh, whenever they go to their, have their cocksucker cocktail parties. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cocksucker tail parties. Mm-hmm. Butch can always show those things off. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously, it's, it's too early to turn on Barry. It is. It is. It's just, to this point, what has Barry done? Right. In any facet of this football team, mm-hmm. you know, last year the defensive change was a disaster. We haven't recruited. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a very small sample size. Don't get me wrong, but it's kind of like Kim Anderson. And I don't want. I'm, this is a poor. This is a horrible thing to do, Barry Odom, comparing him to Kim Anderson. But what I mean is, is like you're just looking for nuggets of positivity. You know, little things of improvement. And Kim Anderson never had that. They never hustled. They never played defense. They never got any better. They never seemed to. There was never any measurable or marked change. And to this point, other than him hiring Heupel and the offense taking a step forward, that's the only real positive I can draw from the Barry Odom experiment so far. Well, they did beat Middle Tennessee State, right? No. <laughs> no. no, they did not. No. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, it, you know, it's been one year. It's this one year of head coaching anywhere. Uh, give them some slack. If they win seven games... I will say Barry Odom's doing a good job. Yeah, that's as much as you can expect. They win six games, I'll be like, nah. yeah. I'll give, I'll yeah. listen, I'll even go with six. Mm-hmm. But uh, I want bowl eligibility this year. Now, I want more than that, but I will live with bowl eligibility this year. I don't want to have to live with it, but I will. Yeah. Well, let's take our first break, Colin. We come back, like I mentioned, we do have Jay Sparks to talk a little bit about uh, basketball and football. And uh, we will continue to talk a little bit about some new news that has happened with the SEC Big 12 Challenge, where Missouri was left off of that once again and will not be able to face the uh, lowly piece of shit Kansas Jayhawks. So stay tuned because we got a lot to say about that. This is the Mazzotcast. Don't throw that used cell phone away. Sell it to Midmo iFix. Midmo iFix buys and sells used cell phones that include a 30-day warranty. So if you lost your phone overboard, the screen's cracked, or the phone's broken, stop into Midmo iFix and see Kevin. And if you have no use for that old phone, turn it into cash. Midmo iFix, located next to Emo's Pizza on Osage Beach Parkway. 573-694-8795. Midmo iFix. Phones fixed fast. Pull up your pants. We're back. With us now from 1400 AM in Columbia, uh, host of the co-host of The Closers, is Jay Sparks to talk a little Mizzou basketball with us. Thanks for joining us, Jay. Hey, no problem. So I was going to ask you, we were talking about the big news today, which is the release of the SEC Big 12 Challenge schedule for the 27-2018 season and how uh, our Missouri Tigers, despite having this great recruiting class and all this excitement around the program, were left off that list. And, uh, you know, of course, Mizzou fans would like to be in that because they'd like to be able to face their old friends, the Kansas Jayhawks. That's not going to be able to happen for the next two years, I guess, at least, because the schedule, whoever's on this year, will also be on next year. Do you think there was any collusion with the with Bill Self and the Jayhawks in this decision, or do you think it was strictly based on how badly we did last year? 
Yeah, I think the eight wins is way more into it than, than anything Bill Self had to say or do about it or anything at the KU Athletic Department. You know, it, 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 it seems bad that way, but then when you look at the matchups anyways, I mean, they didn't even get Frank Martin versus K-State right. So even if we had made it, you know, if we'd end up playing like Oklahoma State or something, what fun would that have been? Yeah, I know. Well, I think it still would have been fun. I mean, it just to be in the same building with those assholes, you know. But I don't know. I, I, I have to wonder about ESPN and the powers that be. Ratings are the big thing, you know, and I think the Tigers, you know, who knows how well they might do next year, but there's certainly going to be some excitement around the program, and I was hoping that, I know that the bad season is a huge factor, but uh, just the excitement around this year might have been been able to boost us up and get us on the schedule, but uh, no such luck. Yeah, I, I do agree. I mean, the ratings are there, and it's with someone like like Michael Porter Jr. and the recruiting class and a new coach. But but the, the coaches they left now, we, we talked about it on the show today on our radio show, you know, Ben Howland, Will Wade, um, you know, Conzo uh, uh, Martin. The, the, these are the kinds of coaches. Uh, Bill Bruce Pearl are the four SEC coaches that are left out, um, and, and those are new personality, SEC personality guys uh, you know, that, that kind of belong in the SEC now and are part of the ascendancy of, of basketball in the SEC. So for those four teams we left out for two years, I, I don't know what, what they were thinking. I kind of wonder if, if it's also just kind of a, a heat check uh, on Missouri. It's, yeah, we, we get you for this year, but how many of these guys are one-and-dones? What is next year's What does next year's roster look like? You know, and, and those kind of questions might, might have come up as, as part of the reason with the two-year cycle get good, you know, maybe that's what they're saying, is get good, sustain it, and then, you know, in, in three in three years, we'll, we'll have you back with, with your, your, your newly minted status and, and be, be able to play the reindeer games. Yeah, you know, these decisions, they, uh, they don't happen in a vacuum. And ever since we've joined the SEC and ever since this SEC Big, Big 12 Challenge has taken place, there has to be discussions in the dark rooms about uh, what happens if Missouri and uh, Kansas find themselves, you know, in the same room together. You know, Bill Self has been pretty open about not wanting to play the Tigers and Kansas fans have jumped on that and saying that ever since we left the conference, uh, they don't want anything to do with us. But then, you know, they will be facing Texas A&M in this uh, contest this year. And that will make of the four teams that left the Big 12 for either the SEC or the Big 10, Kansas will have played three of them now. So this argument that uh, leaving the conference means we don't play you, it doesn't seem to hold much water anymore. No, and, and again, it's it's all about sticking it to Mizzou. I mean, if and, and it proves just how much this rivalry means in, in the in the instant that the negation of it proves how much it's almost like when the MVP is hurt, you know, and and does that solidify their case? And and it makes this rivalry seem that much more important. I mean, the fact that this many years after the fact that the the, the grudge still exists, and and coaches and athletic departments and and heck even ESPN board. Uh, you know, college board people have to be talking about and discussing. And now the one entity that, that Bill Self does not have uh, immunity from uh, is the NCAA Selection Committee. Obviously, Wichita State, uh, a thorn in their side and, and has been placed in, around, and near them several times uh, by, by the Selection Committee. So, uh, you know, if Mizzou sneaks into that, uh, you know, that 4-5 area and, and maybe there's a uh, you know, there, there's that two, three kind of seating for a Kansas Jayhawk team. Uh, not wouldn't be a surprise to me at all if uh, the selection committee did did the dirty work. Yeah, Missouri certainly has done their part to keep themselves away from Bill Self the last few years, where they haven't made it anywhere near the tournament. But uh, but Correct. <laughs> it is interesting now. This with all the recruiting going on with basketball and all the excitement, and it being May, and it really being the doldrums of the college sports world. Usually, if we're talking about anything, we're talking about football. And the only news coming from football are the recruits that aren't coming here. Uh, obviously, Barry Odom and his staff did a lot of work to get uh, 10 in-state recruits together earlier in the year to uh, try to get them into uh, Missouri uniforms. And we've seen three guys, two guys declare, and a third guy announce his top, I guess, 11. And none of them chose Missouri. So the question is, uh, are we going to land any of these top 10 guys in state and if so how many you know that i don't think anybody thought we'd get all 10 but uh you know that at what point do we have to start questioning whether barry odom has a recruiting problem yeah i mean you, you don't want to break the tinfoil hats or, or the the hot seat meter too fast but at the same time you have to acknowledge what's real is real and and as these guys slowly start to drift and peel away 
Um, the the thing that was hailed as as such a marvel uh, this this Show Me Ten, um, the the setup of expectations on that now as they peel away through these summer months and, and make commitments and pare down lists and things. Uh, I mean, if that list that list isn't going up. I mean, the Show Me Ten is not all of a sudden going to be the Show Me Eleven or the Show Me Twelve. It's only going to get smaller, and and that plays to the, the negative side of of those expectations. I think also the, the news that came out this week about the MSA and the seating arrangements and not moving the benches. You know, if, if the idea that you weren't going to move the benches was even a realm of possibility, you know, why in late April do you, do you post stories in the Star and the, the, the Post-Dispatch and, and, you know, the Tribune all talking about, you know, Barry Odom wanting to move the benches and then pull back and say, well, it's not going to happen for a few years, so sorry, coach, not going to happen. A couple times the, 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 the rug or the, the level of expectations have been put out, and then the rug kind of pulled out from under Barry Odom, uh, either by the institution or, or by, you know, 18-year-olds involved in a speed dating process um, that is recruiting. So, you know, it's, I don't think it's, it's fully a capital P problem yet, but you have to keep your eye on it, and if this Tiger team doesn't hit a bowl game this year, uh, that seat is going to get very hot. Yeah, I mean, I think all new coaches get a little breathing room, obviously, uh, to learn the system and learn the team and, and to get their feet underneath them. And obviously, a, a new coach like Barry Odom, who, you know, it's not just his first year at Missouri, it was his first year as a head coach. Certainly, you got to give him some space. And now he's entering year two. And I think you still have to, because, uh, you know, he came off a four and eight season, for God's sakes. And so, you know, I, I, I have to think after year two, if there's not some improvement, I mean, if we can't go better than six and six, you know, at what point do we, you know, like I said, talk, I'm putting on my tinfoil hat here. But, you know, how many poor years do you give a guy like Barry Odom before the seat starts getting a little warmer? Oh, I think I think the seat gets warm going into the, the the third year if it's a six and six type year, even if you qualify for the lowest tier of of, of you know postseason bowls. But but you know they're not going to fire him. I mean, Gabe Yarman has said it many times. Power Mizzou, uh, lot lots of guys you know out there were talking about Mizzou. I mean, the the numbers don't add up to to get rid of him between the second and third seasons. Uh, so he's going to have another full season to recruit sure. uh, and, and, and do things. But, but you know, yeah, you, you have to think that at that point you, you, you have to sit down if you're Jim Sterk and, and the entire football, you know, staff and, and just say an honest, frank discussion of where you are and what you can do and how you can improve the things you're deficient in. And, and if the show me 10 turns into the show me two and, and we're getting guys from Alabama and Texas, but, but, you know, the recruiting class is still, you know, 12th, 13th in the SEC, then, you know, I think if, if you're really honest about what the Mizzou brand means and with the $96 million for the South End Zone expansion, you know, I, I think you really got to just, you know, discuss and, and figure out what direction you want to go as, as a whole athletic department with that. And it might not be Barry Odom. He's definitely get to coach his third year, though. Sure, absolutely. I, I mean, I wouldn't, uh, I w- I, you'd have to be really, really hot to want to pull him after two years. But everybody talks about in-state recruiting, and we don't have much competition from Kansas because they're just a cesspool of a football program. Illinois isn't that much better. You know, obviously, um, Iowa, Iowa State, every once in a while has an up year in Arkansas, same way. But Nebraska has been pulling our guys away. The first two guys to commit have gone to Nebraska. And Nebraska, you know, the last, I don't know, decade hasn't been the Nebraska that we've known over history. But uh, they seem to be telling the guys from St. Louis and Kansas City the things they want to hear. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what Nebraska's got in the water that, they, that uh, they're stealing our, stealing our guys away. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of it comes down to to uh, to a fan base too. I mean, you, you talked about Nebraska not being what it was. I saw the the graphic go around the other day, a couple of days ago, about all the schools uh, that haven't won a national title while most of these recruits have been alive. You know, the the Tennessee, Nebraska, Michigan, the, the, that whole list of, of big time blue blood schools, but none of them have won a national championship in the time that most of these recruits have been alive. I think Nebraska can show them, look. You know, we, we haven't won a national title in a long time. We'd like to get back up to that black shirt Nebraska of old that, that we used to be. You know, but in the meantime, come to a game day in Lincoln and look around, and you still see 80,000, 90,000 strong packed in that, 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 that stadium. You know, and, and then when you take your Show Me 10 visit to Mizzou, whether it's on a game day or not, come to a game day during a 4-8 and eight season, and, you know, you, you see that uh, announced 50,000, what looks more like a high 30,000 count 
uh, up in those stands, and all of a sudden it, it, it takes on a different perspective of the what kind of tradition of a program you're joining. Yeah, and obviously nothing helps like wins, you know, and, and we haven't right. had that. And, and if we if we can, you know, you can see those late recruits maybe having – better thoughts about the Tigers and I you know with that in mind what are your expectations for this season what do you have you you, have you made a prediction on how you think the Tigers are going to end up this year I mean certainly the uh, the schedule sets up nicely but then we don't have any idea whether the defense is going to do any improvement the offense looks like they've got the pieces in place what are your thoughts on the 2017 football Tigers even with injuries because you 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 can't and choose your injuries, but but factoring in for injury and everything else, you know, I, I see this being one of those those six to seven win teams. You, you I think there's a, a solid six to seven wins on that schedule that that you don't really have to. I'm not going to say stress about because every SEC win is a stressful situation for the Tigers now. But but I, I see that there, there's six to seven wins in there now. You know, if the Tigers tiger and lose a game they're they're not supposed to, um, then all of a sudden the pressure's on to, to go win a game that you're not supposed to. But uh, you know, if if pieces stay healthy, if if Demaria Crockett can can stay on the field via troubles or, or injury, and that defense picks it up e- even a smidge, if that read and react uh, is is not in effect, and, and they can play a single scheme all year and kind of have a a straight growth chart uh, throughout the year of getting better and, and more tight knit. You know, I, I think they can end on three straight wins with the, with the way the schedule is. So, so getting to that stage with with four wins in their pocket, uh, I think they can they can end with with three straight and, and get that seventh win, which I think makes a big difference. The the difference from four and eight uh, to a seven and five, and and then you know depends on how it how it crumbles and which bowl you get to go to, uh, and a good showing in a bowl game really puts them, not by any stretch of imagination, in the driver's seat, but allows a lot of those late commits, the, the show-me-10 guys who haven't committed, or even if they've been kind of soft, verbally committed uh, to somewhere, to uh, to at least take another look at that and, and maybe uh, you know come together as a group, as, as recruits, and say, this is what we want to do, and we, we do want to take this, this program up another notch uh, because it is on the way up. Uh, you know, a five- and seven-year is is perfunctly the same as a four and eight type year so uh you know i i think that, that that's really what they have to avoid yeah I, I if nothing else that seventh win would uh stick it to a lot of the sec wide analysts who have us you know pegged to go uh you know be 14th out of 14 teams or at least the bottom of the sec east again and it's hard not to it's hard to blame them given what we saw the last two years from mizzou but uh but it would be nice to, uh, you know, to show them a little something else, kind of like we did in 13 and 14. Um, I was going to ask you one last thing. Uh, our last episode, we talked about uh, Mizzou freshman football players coming in this year and how little we know about anything. And so we compared some of the names to uh, serial killers. And I was just going to ask you, I'm not going to put you through that, but do you think you know enough about the incoming class of freshmen that if I listed off a bunch of names of serial killers or freshmen, you would be able to uh, to know which one was which? Uh, you know, if, if, if Brian Austin listens to this podcast and I get any of them wrong, he'd be seriously disappointed in me. Uh, so I, I, I would, I, I will say a qualified yes. Uh, but the moment I get one wrong, I, I will not hear the end of it from our, our recruiting experts we have on our show, Brian Austin from Parmazoo. Uh, so, so you could hit me with a couple, but like I said, the moment I get one wrong, I will, I will live in shame. I'm not, I'm not going to put, <laughs> I'm not going to put you through that, but I also, um, I, I think there's no shame in it until, uh, until a freshman hits the field on the first Saturday in the football season. I think you're perfectly eligible to, uh, not know the difference between him and a Jeffrey Dahmer. I, I can tell you that uh, for the first time in a long time, uh, as I watched this year's recruiting class come in, uh, I got really, really excited because they were they were finally recruiting a Sparks. Uh, there was an Adam Sparks, an Adam yeah. Sparks on the list, and and I was very excited. Uh, I was I was just salivating, thinking about you know, boy, you know, got some contacts in the program. They're gonna get me one of those game used jerseys like eventually, and that's gonna be awesome. And then I realized he's like five seven, like one sixty. He's like a defensive back, and I mean that's not even gonna fit over my thigh. So, <laughs> um, yeah, a little disappointed in Adam Sparks just from a a heightened perspective because I wanted to get me one of those jerseys, but it's not gonna do me much good. <laughs> the good news about that, I guess, if you do get a game worn jersey from the guy, uh, you may not be able to wear it, but you also don't have to deal with eighteen uh, year old sweat. Because uh, it's all going to be on the sidelines, <laughs> right? There you go, exactly. So, uh, yeah, but uh, that that was definitely a highlight for uh, to to see a 
it'll be it'll be fun to see a, a Sparks out there on the field for for Mizzou. Uh, from from my perspective, for my family, uh, that'll be fun to see. So <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> one last thing before I let you go, Jay, is uh, it it is May. We've got months and months from football season, even longer till basketball season. You guys got to talk about sports every day. How in the hell do you manage to fill time in this time of year? I mean, I guess you got the Cardinals and the Royals and, you know, the Olympic sports and all those things to talk about. But really, it is it's a tough one, isn't it? It, it does get a little tougher. You, you find yourself stretching a little bit. You pray for some good uh, NBA and NHL series along the way to, to, to get some talking points out of. But it also gives us a chance to spread our wings. I mean, from August through December, I mean, there, there is no time to breathe. I mean, it's the exact opposite. I mean, every minute of every show pretty much spoken for with news items and bullet points and follow-ups and everything else. Um, you know, and then even with this coming year into to February, March, April, hopefully with uh, with basketball continuing that. So for us, it's nice to kind of spread our wings. We can take on some topics we normally don't have time for. Um, we we just worked a deal for uh, uh, to get a, a woman who just released a book about the Baylor scandal, and, and so we're going to have an author chat with her uh, here in the next few months uh, over over this quieter time. And you know, we can talk a little business in sports and race relations. Uh, you know, we we can we can move in into some things that allow us to kind of spread our wings a little bit and have some breathing room to talk about them and not feel so. Uh, Constrained by constrained by the 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 actual news bullet points that we need to cover. So uh, it's a trade off. You get a little more a little more talking room, a little more soapbox room, uh, but uh, there is not as much content. You're 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 very very astute and right on that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, everybody, thank you again, Jay Sparks, for joining us. You can listen to him at fourteen hundred AM in Columbia. He's co-host of the Closers, and he talks to you every damn day. So uh, we appreciate you going <laughs> on with us. Yeah, no problem. Every day, whether they like it or not, they're stuck with me. So uh, I appreciate uh, I appreciate the chance to be on. And uh, anytime you guys need anything, uh, be, uh, please feel free to let me know. All right. Thanks, Jay. So there you have it, Colin. Nice of Jay to talk to us a little bit. Yep. I guess not all the press hates us. <laughs> That's right. There are a few. They haven't learned yet. Yeah. We're monsters we are. What do you think about this whole Kansas Big 12 SEC bullshit? Well, I know one of the uh, tools they use to measure whether or not you're going to play in that tournament is your previous year's success, which mm-hmm. we obviously had none of. But you'd think, just based on having an arguably top five recruiting class, if Jonte does in fact come along, why wouldn't you want us in that turn- televised tournament? Especially when you have the uh, natural matchup of a Kansas team, which is always good, and mm-hmm. a Missouri team, which is on the rise. I mean, it would seem like the big Mondays of old. I, that's what I, I mentioned to Jay about you know the the Missouri Kansas stuff has to be talked about in those dark rooms because you know even when we were not that good that was a guaranteed ratings machine to mm-hmm. have those that, those two yeah. playing each other yeah. and when they do when they do it's going to be big and I just can't believe they keep pushing it back pushing it back I mean I I have to think Bill Self has something to do with that Jay sure. doesn't but I do no I I absolutely think that there is. Probably when these things are discussed in those dark rooms, there's some pushback from Kansas. Like, don't, don't do it. If you put them in the tournament, do not bracket us with them. Do not, you know, I mean, we don't want any part of it. So far, people are acquiescing to that, that mindset of theirs. Well, the thing that gets me about it is that uh, Bill Self has pushed this narrative that he didn't want to play us because fuck Missouri, they left the conference. Yeah. And uh, like I was saying, you know, they, they played Colorado, they played Nebraska, they're going to be playing Texas A&M. That shit just doesn't hold water. Mm-mm, it does not. You know, every other out-of-conference rivalry, they play each other. Yeah. And that's what we are. We're an out-of-conference rival. Sorry we left the Big 12 and you didn't, dickheads. Yeah, it's blatant hypocrisy. Yeah. And it, it just takes willful ignorance on the f- the part of Kansas fans to to sell it or or eat it from Bill Self. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculous. It's a, it's a non-argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only chance we'll get to play them is uh, if we make it to an Elite Eight game, because obviously Kansas doesn't make it past the Elite Eight ever. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so we make that tournament, and like Jay said, that's one area that Bill Self doesn't have any control of. Yeah. And that is, you know, I can definitely see, mm-hmm. you know, a selection committee looking at that game saying, yeah. Yeah, uh, we want that. We want that. And that's something that people, will, that'll, there'll be buzz there, mm-hmm. you know, and if, there's any, if they want anything, it's buzz, you know. Yeah. They want money. They want ratings. Well, and this is a tournament, so... Teams can say, no, thanks. And I, I wonder if, you know, so there, there's a certain leverage there for Bill Self. Not that he would pull himself out of this tournament, but he has the ability to. You know what I mean? There is that ultimate threat of, he says, you know what? We don't want to play Missouri. And they say, you know what? He theoretically could 
you know, put his foot down, so let's just avoid trouble where we can. He's not going to do that for the NCAA tournament. He's yeah, not going to. He he's not going to sit it out because th- he doesn't want to play Missouri. So it's on Missouri now mm-hmm. to make sure to force his hand, mm-hmm. just the way Wichita State did. Mm-hmm. They forced Bill Self's slimy, tiny, quivering hands, and then they beat him. Mm-hmm. And I've never been so happy for a team that wasn't. Missouri. I've never been so happy for a team that was based in the state of Kansas. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> well, Colin, speaking of Kansas, why don't we get to some important stuff? Let's let's do a little Kansas news. Well, I always heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. Our first story of the day, man with sword arrested in Topeka for attempted robbery. Sure. Police say a 23-year-old man has been arrested for trying to rob a Topeka bank with a sword. Mm -hmm. The Topeka Capital Journal reports the man was booked in the Shawnee County Jail on Tuesday in connection with an attempted robbery earlier that day. A police statement says the man walked into a Bank of America branch wearing a sword housed in a scabbard. Mm -hmm. No injuries were reported. Lieutenant Colleen Stewart says the man surrendered the weapon to a security guard at the bank and was taken into police. He pointed a gun at him. <laughs> Son, you brought a sword to a gunfight. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't even get to the police, the bank security guard. Yeah. Got him, yeah. Uh, and was taken to police headquarters for questioning before being booked into jail. The crazy thing about this is he brought a sword when if you go to Kansas and, you know, when they hand out flyers in front of, like, stores, mm-hmm. in Kansas they literally print the coupon on the side of a gun and hand them out to people. Right. Everyone has a gun in Kansas. So this guy used a sword. Bad idea all the way around. He should have used one of those gun leaflets that Mm -hmm. are handed out so prevalently. Yeah, they start a checking account at a bank. They give you a gun. (laughs) Yeah. Forget the toaster. (laughs) Yeah. They didn't need security guard. The teller could have stopped him. (laughs) Yeah. Man arrested after exposing himself at Target store. This seems to be a recurring theme. Mm-hmm. This is not the first exposing yourself or going crazy in a We've target. We've talked endlessly about people whipping their junk out. Yeah. It, about, it, I mean, in reference to Kansas, obviously. It's hard to do any discount shopping in the state of Kansas. You will die at Walmart. <laughs> or you'll see a dick. <laughs> Which would you prefer? Uh, <laughs> homeless man was arrested Sunday afternoon after exposing his genitals to a customer at a Target store, according to Selena Police. Captain Paul Forrester said Raymond... Commons, age 24, was arrested after police received a report that he was in possession of a knife, again, no gun, and was acting bizarrely at the Target, which is located at 2329 Marketplace in Selena. Also in possession of a ding-dong. Yeah. Uh, He's packing heat. After receiving the call at about 12.30 p.m. and arriving at the Target, Forrester said officers were told that Commons had exposed his penis to a customer in the store's shoe department. Mm -hmm. That's not where shoes go. No. Uh, Commons was allegedly opening and closing the knife while his penis was exposed. And frankly, that's just dangerous. Yeah, yeah. It uh, it was still exposed, Forrester said, when the police confronted Commons, who was arrested on suspicion of public nudity. (laughs) Just a suspicion, (laughs) even though the police actually saw it. Innocent until proven guilty. Cock out. Those cell phone pictures he took are going to be the big uh, hurdle to get over in court. Kansas man admits throwing acid on his wife. Sure. Who's not wanted to throw acid on his wife? Yeah. But you're not you most people know this, they're not supposed to. Sure. I mean, sure. We, that's all where the, that's where that delineation is from yeah. a Kansas person to a normal person. Right. Yeah. We all want to, we all think <laughs> about it, we all fantasize about it. Sure. So a uh, Kansas man entered a plea to aggravated battery Monday for reportedly throwing acid on his wife. In addition, Rafael Gomez, age 25, entered a plea to felony criminal damage and will avoid a more severe charge of attempted murder. Deputy District Attorney Tom Stanton was considering filing the attempted murder charge against the former employee of the Kansas Department of Corrections. Stanton says Gomez threw acid on the victim twice. She suffered burns to the face during the domestic incident in March of 2016 at their home. With the plea, both sides are able to argue disposition. The first count is a level four felony with a sentencing range of just over three years to three years and six months. Stanton said the case is presumptive prison, but the defense will argue for non-prison sanction because of his lack of criminal history. You know, guns, swords, or I mean, I should say swords, knives, acid. Where are the guns at in this uh, Kansas penises. You just, I mean, not that he would shoot his wife, but you'd figure, you know, pistol whipping would mm-hmm. be more the way to, a Kansas person would go than acid. Where do you get acid at? Would you cut a battery open? Yeah, it was pot- I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah, have we done a Kansas news segment where there hasn't been a firearm involved? It's hard to say, but I I don't feel like we have. They're really branching out, I guess. 
Colin, the story that won't go away. Oh, boy. The one that keeps coming back time and time again. And the intrepid journalists that we are, mm-hmm. we're following up on it. Holton, Kansas sodomy trial questioned after juror's husband calls it a witch hunt. Jesus. <laughs> so as our listeners probably remember, uh, prosecutors questioned the impartiality of a juror in Holton, Kansas sexual assault trial after her husband posted online that the case was a witch hunt. The juror was allowed to stay on the Kansas County panel that last month cleared Jacob Ewing of charges of aggravated indecent liberties and aggravated criminal sodomy with a child younger than 14 years old. According to unsealed transcripts of a closed-door meeting with the judge in which the special prosecutor voiced concerns about the juror and the trial setting in Holton, a 3,300-resident town, divided by allegations against Ewing. If she steps out and looks like she's 18 years old, that's on her, said one potential juror. That's just how I feel about it. Another man excused from the jury pool said he thought he'd probably have to find Ewing not guilty because the young woman's father should have kept better track of her, and a woman said it would bother her conscience if she judged him. So, (laughs) boy... Maxwell Couch, a Kansas attorney, filed a motion to intervene in the Jackson County District Court seeking to bring the release of the transcript. He argued the document should be public and that Judge Norbert Merrick overstepped his constitutional authority by not releasing it to the public. At issue were posts by the juror's husband on a Facebook page dedicated to Holton, with the husband questioning the accuser's age. She was 13 at the age of the alleged attack in 2014 and described the trial as a witch hunt. When confronted about that during a private meeting on April 20th with the judge before deliberations, the juror denied discussing the case with her spouse and said his feelings about Ewing's guilt or innocent would not compromise her impartiality. She called herself a very independent thinker. I can believe that. When is the last time your wife agreed with you on about anything? Mm, There you go. But the juror also admitted she didn't want to be on the panel, fearing Holton run-ins with people involved in the case. Because it's just a high-profile case, and regardless of which way it goes, who wants to go to the Walmart and run into, you know, the victim's advocates or hey, the opposite end of the defendant's family? Give me a break. These, this, the, the family owns, like, a hardware store in town. They're not the fucking Corleone family. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's, like, so concerned about convicting this young man for, you know— And the crazy thing is, and they haven't alluded to it, and they, maybe they will, is, like, he's got, like, four other pending, like, rape charges— and he's got this sodomy case with a minor. It's like, at what point do we stop worrying about offending the family that owns a local hardware store? You know what I mean? <laughs> I know. Are they afraid they're going to find horse heads in their beds? Or I mean, what you, in the fuck? You kind of wonder if they sell meth behind the counter or something, and no they really doubt. can't get away with it. Uh, Spradling unsuccessfully asked the woman to be replaced, citing the juror's reluctance to serve and her contemplation of avoiding public places. Ewing remains jailed, awaiting more sex crime-related trials coming there in June. Is. August and October. He's got a busy next few months yes, coming up. Yes, he does. He's a busy man. He has pleaded not guilty to all of those charges. Shocking. Yeah. This thing never dies. I mean, the thing about it is the guy's the guy's a guilty sex crime nightmare. Yeah, sure. Or as it's known, just a typical Kansas resident. Sure, sure. That'll do it this week for Kansas News. I guess, Colin, the only thing else I had on the agenda tonight was uh, to talk about the uh, much maligned sideline move that Barry Odom had proposed and we talked about on earlier shows. Yeah, another uh, another way Barry's endearing himself to the fan base. <laughs> yeah. And Jay mentioned it earlier in our interview with him, but it's another, you know, failed effort by Barry Odom, I guess. They're pushing it back to 2019 when the construction for the South End Zone project will be complete. But uh, just a weird PR shit move. Yeah, to- it, it was handled poorly. Again, referencing uh, Joe Wall Jasper's Tribune podcast, he mentioned that you know Gary Pinkle managed to have three ten-plus win seasons on that side of the field. So I don't know, was he having his sign stolen and just persevered, or what? I mean, it just yeah. if it, it broke, seems it. it seems unnecessary. Yeah, you know, just completely unnecessary. And the only upside seems to be that you're going to piss off a portion of your fans. I mean, that really is the only upside. I don't know. I mean, I guess he has his reasons, as silly as I think they may be. My question is, do you think it was a Barry Odom decision to acquiesce? Do you think it was an athletic department decision to acquiesce? I think it was probably a joint decision in that they're like, Barry, this don't look good. And he's like, yeah, it's not that big a deal. We'll just push it off. And really, the plan that's in place now, I think, is a better plan. Like, we'll do this once the addition is done. Nobody, I mean, Because you're going to, one, if you do it now, you have to supplant these fans and move them around. And then when the end zone addition is done, 
you have to do it all over again. People get supplanted and moved around because now there's a new seating scheme. So mm-hmm. it seems like you're taking something that's un, uh, something that's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. You know, moving people around in the stadium and well, you're making them do it twice. The the real answer to me, if this is something that you really do think is important, there's a way of doing this, and the university knows it, and they've done it in the past. Which is, hold on, they you plan to do it years down the road. That's what I was about to say. Is like mm-hmm. if they would have announced this this year that when the addition is done, that they were going to do this and given people a chance to chew on it and swallow it, belly ache, and by the time it came around, this it would all be you know, a foregone conclusion. The reason you do it is because students are gone in four years. Yeah. And so if you say in, you know, two years or four years, this is going to be implemented, they don't give a fuck. Yeah, They're going to be gone. And the students who are going to sit in that, the, wherever they are, they won't know any now, better. They won't know any different. It right. will be, you know, if you went to school long enough ago, you didn't sit where they sit now. Nope. And so, I don't know. It's just, again, it's, it's just a sort of a befuddling move and, and to do it, just to try to shoehorn it in all mm-hmm. at once, right away. It just seems poorly thought out. There there have been a number, well, I don't know. There have been a few things that Odom has attempted that have been failed, and they re- went back on it. Like that, I'm thinking of the defensive scheme. Sure. It just reeks of new coach, doesn't have his footing, yeah. kind of throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Well, I think his utter disregard for PR in general it's just a, who cares what people think? I'm just going to do what I want to do. And it's just like, well, you that, almost you sounded can, like Barry Odom for a second. You Colin. can, that's really weird. You, you, should. Can, you can do that, I suppose, mm-hmm. but it's easier to listen to the PR. It's easier just to get on board and do things and listen to somebody and say, coach, we can do this, but let's do it in a way that doesn't make everybody angry. Yeah. And I think he may be learning on the go that there may be some value to stroking things a little bit versus just, you know, like I said, we were talking earlier about how many um, successful coaches are cocksuckers, mm-hmm. but there is another breed of coach, and that's the charmer, you know, the snake yeah, charmer sure. coach. And I mean, you know, Norm Stewart was one of those Absolutely. types of guys. And uh, that, I don't know why more guys, some people just don't have the personality sure. for it. I don't know that Barry Odom does, but there is a type of guy who just, you know, well, Steve Spurrier, Steve Spurrier, perfect yeah. example. He's the snake charmer. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a guy that, he can, you know, he could rob you blind, and you wouldn't know it because you'd be chuckling at his old, you yeah. know, his old boy, yeah, stick, yeah. And so, um, well, I don't know why know, more guys don't go that route. For as um, standoffish as Pinkle was with the media, he had a, some equal parts of that. You know what I mean? In a, in a, if you didn't have Pinkle behind a podium, he wasn't a bad guy. You know, he had some personality, not a lot of personality. He was not a snake charmer, to, so to speak, but he was affable enough mm-hmm. and maybe barry odom's affable but the point is we're never going to find out as the plan is currently rolling out because no one's allowed to get near him and he's in his or office speak to with him. a can of stag or yeah. he's out shooting dogs that's right that's right <laughs> so i think there is a somebody just needs to get in barry's ear a little bit and say you know be nicer <laughs> you know i mean it's it sounds, not being nice no, he's just but, not being available yeah just, just be yeah available be i don't be nicer you know i, mean? I just there's a value to it, mm-hmm. and um, it seems sounds silly to say it so in such a simple terms, but it's just make yourself available. Let the fans get to know you. Let people get to know you. Let the people you're recruiting, let the people who finance this, who don't make donations, you know, be, you don't have to be Steve Spurrier, but you could be a little more glad handy. <laughs> you don't have to be Nick Saban either. You know, you talked about Gary Pinkle. And he, that Gary Pinkle was kind of a happy medium, I think. Well, in his last part of his tenure, he really got to be a lot more affable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was more of a sort of uh, stone faced guy for a long time. And he really sort of loosened up well, right about the time he started winning SEC championship. Yeah. And maybe that's maybe because, you know, my recent memories of Pinkle are that person, a little more affable, a little more open. And it's harder for me to think back at those early days when they weren't winning much. And Gary Pinkle was very stoic. Mm-hmm. Um, and and maybe Barry Odom. I mean, he is young by and by coaching standards, and this is obviously his first job. I mean, if if he has success at Mizzou in ten years now, he's still our head coach. He won't be the same guy, I'm sure. No, and I think when you're a brand new coach, you're not comfortable in your shoes, and you want to portray an image of a guy who has his shit under control mm-hmm. and knows what he's doing and is out to fucking win the day. And uh, you know, I think 
when you get to a point where like Steve Spurrier was, you, you can be yourself. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You're not afraid to have to put out an image there. You just are who you are. Well, when you've won a national championship and a Heisman Trophy, it's easier, like I said about earlier about Dick Vermeil tapping his ring on a, on a podium, it's easier to feel comfortable in your own skin. Mm-hmm. Um, let Barry win a couple SEC East championships like Pingle did, and he may maybe he'll loosen up a little. Maybe he mm-hmm. won't. I don't know. And I, we're coming down pretty hard on Barry in this episode in general. Yeah, we prefer it being May, really. Yeah, I mean, he just hasn't given us much to talk about, mm-hmm. and what he has given us to talk about hasn't been is that. not been is been pissing off students with seating arrangements and swinging and missing on three recruits so In far. State, yeah. So, I mean, the next time we record a podcast, maybe five people have committed to Mizzou, and we're singing his praises. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm I'm still not off the Barry. No, no, I'm not either. I just because I I mean, like I predicted seven wins. I think. And I think they can do it. He is not helped by the fact that the basketball team is killing it right now. Yeah, I got a brand new coach, and their brand new coach, yeah, is kind of shitting gold ingots right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just can do no wrong. And Barry, to this point, I believe it's gold nickels. <laughs> well, it depends on which day you talk to me. But mm-hmm. either way, it's all gold, and mm-hmm. it's coinage of some type being passed. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a, the basketball team is the shiny new car right now, mm-hmm. and the trusty old uh, Volkswagen in the in the garage, which gotten you you know to work every day for the last ten years, just doesn't look quite as sexy. Well, and it's a guy who who values football about above all other things, and I love basketball and 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 many other sports, but football is is king. One of my concerns is that growing up, Mizzou was a basketball school, mm-hmm. and the football team was a bit of an afterthought, and uh, that kind of went flipped around through the past decade as Gary Pinkle had success and the basketball team got progressively worse with each passing year. And I just have this fear essentially in the back of my head going, God, I hope we don't turn back into a basketball school. And God knows I want a good basketball program. Don't get me wrong, but I don't want it to be one or the other. Yeah. yeah. Can't we have both? Would that be so bad? It, it, it has to be hard to be a basketball school in the SEC. I know Kentucky does it, but Kentucky is not just a basketball school. Mm-hmm. They're one of the top tier basketball schools. Yeah. But they, basketball is not valued in this conference. No. And um, I mean, it's starting to come around. Yeah. But they've, it's, they've, it's, they've hired it, a lot more coaches that are, at least the narrative is, is that for a long time, as you said, the SEC being a football conference, the the programs themselves didn't pay much attention to their basketball mm-hmm. teams, and they just did whatever. And yeah. they're hiring bigger name coaches and seeing more success as a result, and recruiting better, and just putting more emphasis on basketball. And they're seeing you know that fruit being born. But I don't know. I want f- football to be good. Yeah, I, and I think they can be. But goddamn, this recruiting cycle is going to be important, and we can't mm-hmm. we cannot whiff on everybody in this in state situation. Well, and in. in as much as the Clay Travis's want to blame protests and, you know, Pinkle obviously having health issues and, and all this stuff is, it all, none of it helps. But when Charles Harris gets drafted and nobody else does, I mean, ultimately, when you boil it down, it's talent on the field that has sort of, I feel like, anchored the last couple of seasons. It's just the attrition of talent. It's just got a little less and a little less and a little less. And we're starting to see that uh, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, my hope is is that most of the talent on the offense this year is good mm-hmm. and, and looks good and, and does what it's supposed to do. But uh, And we still know what the defense will be, but they need to recruit. Yeah. They need to recruit. I can't help think about if the protests hadn't happened and, and, and if Gary Pinkle wasn't sick and we had this, how long could he have kind of kept it up and running? Would he be having the, these last two? I mean, the last season was his before, you know, the mm-hmm. Barry Odom season, and he didn't have a great season. But... Would he have been able to get it back on the tracks, or would we be standing in the same situation right now if he were still coach? Yeah. Yep, we can never know. But uh, anyway, I think Colin, I, you know, fuck, it's late May. It's uh, baseball season. Yep. It's basketball and hockey playoff season. And I don't give a fuck. Mm-mm. Do not give a fuck. No. I just want college football to get here. And if I didn't listen to the Tony Kornheiser show, I wouldn't know if hockey was even still going on. Mm. Well, and they were, Tony know? <laughs> well, I mean, he he doesn't really talk about much about hockey, but he's based out of Washington D.C., so they talk about the Capitals losing and yeah. not going to the Stanley Cup Finals, which I wouldn't know they were going on. And yeah. I know that you don't make have a some, bunch of St. Louis friends around here uh, belly aching about the Blues. Well, singing the Blues? No, because they're not winning right now. I mean, at least my experience with Blues fans in our area is that they're only Blues fans when the team is mm. relevant. I mean, they're not Blues oh. fans through the regular season. 
um, at least not to look deep in the regular season when they you, the, the playoffs are a foregone conclusion. I've and got plenty. Only St. Louis fans during the playoffs, and as soon as the Blues are eliminated, soon the Blues are eliminated, their annual tradition. The, yeah, the uh, the Blues caps go off the head and get hung in the closet and wait for the next this time next year. But, yeah, no, I've got plenty of St. Louis fans who uh, die in the wall. Blues fans, and they were. Belly aching every year around this time as the Blues fail and fail again to make it to I think, the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. I, I know nothing about hockey, but I think there's only like three or four teams in the NHL that have not won a Stanley Cup or played for a Stanley Cup or something. St. Louis is one of them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something like that. Yeah, right, let's let's not. This is let's not. Let's slide, a slippery slope. Let's not we're starting to hockey hockey we're talk. Starting to talk about hockey Hot hockey talk. Yeah, well, it's just a sign that we need to go. And so I should have brought this up early in the episode, but uh, we are chasing Paul Feinbaum in our iTunes reviews. We're sitting at twenty eight. And we need you to get on iTunes, give us a review. We also want to uh, reiterate that we are sponsored now by Amazon.com. Oh, yeah. So uh, do us a big favor. Go to our website and click on the Amazon banner at the top of our website. Do your shopping. Buy as much as you can, as much as you want. It's not going to cost you an extra nickel. But if you go through our website, bookmark that son of a bitch because we'll get a cut. And you'll be helping the old boys at the Mazadcast. Yeah, we'll get to wet our beak a bit. That's right. So buy some high ticket items if you would. Yeah, you know, one of those uh, real sex dolls. Have you seen those? Have like I they, seen they, them? <laughs> yeah, uh, no. Like the Chinese or Japanese, they build those uh, robots mm-hmm. that uh, they're very expensive. Yeah, and, and and supposedly lifelike. You'll have to show me yours, but mm-hmm. uh, they're very expensive. I so know. I don't have one. I feel like our listenership probably might dip their toe in that water yeah, a little probably bit. Probably the right. So if you're going to buy a five thousand dollar Japanese sex doll. Do it through Amazon. Do it through our Amazon banner on the Mazodcast website. Yeah. It really is the best way to help the show, and it doesn't cost you an extra nickel. So uh, buy your sex dolls through Amazon, through Mazodcast. If you're hankering for a robotic blowjob, there's no reason not to give us a taste. I know I am. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you want to use the word taste there. Well, I think that'll do it, Colin. I don't know when we're going to do a show again, but... Uh, I guess when Jonte... Uh, yeah, when Jonte announces what we already say he announced. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe maybe in between now and then, like I said, Barry's going to get seven commits from those yeah. ten. If that happens, we'll certainly do a show. We but, will. Uh, until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. You will die at Walmart. Or you'll see a dick. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.